I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. We are going back to the hive in season five of the, the Connor and Smith Show. Tonight we are talking to Tom Schweitzer. All right, Tom. Meatballs and music and we, everything else. We got a lot to talk about. We are going to take a quick break and, and we'll we will be, be right back. Tom, how are you? I'm good, Stephen. I'm Matt. I am sitting here, yes, with my co-host, Matt Connor. Hey, 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 hey. I, I stole Ooh. that from the Jimmy Fallon show. Yeah, yeah. Sounded like it. I'm hoping to get sued so I can say, look, I don't have any money, but can we put this article in the paper just for some good press? <laughs> Tommy, where, well, Tom. Uh -huh. Where are you, uh, where, where are you calling in from tonight? I am calling you from Middleburg, Virginia, not too far away from you guys, about 45 minutes west. So we'll get to your whole journey uh, to Middleburg because yeah. um, it's a beautiful story and it's a beautiful town. And I've been so lucky to, of course, work with you and be there. But um, yeah. let's, um, let's just first talk about the pandemic and everything. What kind of... Uh, what kind of creative outlets did you use oh. to kind of get you through this time? And I'm sure are still using, I just ordered a book called the mountain is you. That's going to be my latest read. Cool. Um, but what uh, we were, we were talking a lot to lots of people of the, you know, the, the, the artist inside that kind of had to pivot and find different ways to keep creating. Sure. Um, and, you know, I think, Stephen and Matt, you both know that I'm a COVID survivor from the in, uh, spring of 2020. And yes. Hearing me tonight, you know, with this sort of, I don't know, sinus infection. And to be really honest with the both of you, I, I really didn't get anything like this um, ever before I had COVID two years ago. So, um, uh, I am coming up with, I have an album coming out on my birthday, June 2nd, which is called my COVID songbook. Um, after I was hospitalized for a week in the hospital, um, I came home and I had to be on oxygen for a long time, which just devastated me because I'm a pretty healthy, vibrant human being. Um, I, I, I wrote about 11 songs, not about, I wrote 11 songs during my recovery and so I thought I should put them in the recording studio. So it's songs about the night that I went to the hospital, the realizations I had from it. So that was, that was you know, as a music therapist, that was like one of my, my own therapies for myself, my own music therapy for myself. And the other pivoting I did was uh, running this music theater company, music therapy company, uh, for people, children with disabilities, you know, we couldn't have our children in the music therapy rooms. So we started to do animation and um, have a child come in one at a time to a recording studio that was safe and they could record their voices. And we and, and our and our kids at um, our music therapy center, a place to be, they actually created the animations for it. So. You know, I'm, I have to be honest, I'm tired of pivoting. 
but it did get down to the resources I know that I have in my inside myself to kind of create different differently when um, we have no other choice. Right. You, it seems like you became the teacher and the student at the same time. Oh, yeah. I had no idea what to do with animation. But I work with a very large population of uh, young people who are autistic. And so many of our clients here at A Place to Be have so many skills and so many. And so we found out that so many of them like to, you know, animate. So we created these cartoons and then we could have an individual come in and they would record their character voice. And this gave them, you know, this also gave them an outlet. Well, Tom, let's talk about A Place to Be now that we're here. Yeah, I was going to say, for, for those who don't know sure. what A Place to Be is, can you kind of explain? Sure. We're, um, we're a nonprofit organization here in Loudoun County, Virginia. We've been around 12 years. Um, we serve individuals of any age music therapy that is focused on goals and objectives towards healing. And um, we have a definition of a disability at a place to be, which is anything, anything in the world that stops you from living life to its fullest. So if that's, you know, having autism, if that's having cerebral palsy, if that's being bullied, or we have a large, this is not going to surprise you guys, our largest population right now is mental and emotional health. Mm -hmm. So... Um, we serve about 175 to 200 families per week. We are also your music therapy providers for all Inova hospitals here in the, uh, you know, the Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. area. And um, I think you guys know this pretty well. We also use performance as a main, um, a main platform for us for uh, expression. We do a lot of musicals. We do a lot of touring. We, we, we work with our, our individuals who have music therapy to create, create story and create their story on stage. So, yeah, this is our 12th year and I'm, I'm very proud and we've done a lot of pivoting. We got through the pa I'm so proud to say we're a nonprofit that got through the pandemic. Yeah. And, you know, it also feels like. Uh, you're talking about mental health and emotional health being one of the, you know, mm -hmm. the bigger populations. I mean, I, I feel like that should have always have been because I feel like uh, mental health has such a, a different color of stigma. Mm. And I feel like there's such a need for everyone to be able to speak their minds of how they feel and what, you know, because all of us have gone through Yep. Um, our lives with, you know, times that we need emotional help. Absolutely, man. And I think it's a shame that it took the pandemic. And it took also, you know, if you look at 2020 and 2021, so much Black Lives Matter. I mean, so much revolution was happening that, you know, you and I and you, Stephen, I mean, all of the ages we are, we were begging for mental health help years yeah. ago when we were, and we think even, even music therapy where years ago I was a little bit afraid of like, Oh, people will think that's an alternative, you know, therapy. Uh, not so much anymore because I think we're awakened 
to the fact all need mental and emotional health. So that was our biggest worry because, you know, we also work with children and adults who, who were already isolated. <laughs> They're in wheelchairs or they don't, you know, they don't participate in life like everybody else. So we, we felt responsible and I have learned about resilience and not my resilience. I'm fine. I got through COVID. It was very scary. But watching some of our individuals who just have, I don't know, just have such a hard time getting through life that they had to go through the pandemic. That's why we were doing everything in our power that we could to offer them some opportunity of self-expression. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's so beautiful. We all understand as artists that, you know, uh, music therapy may definitely may not always be a cure but man yeah. do the arts allow us to have at least a vocabulary to be able to connect and to understand each other through music and through dance and through uh language i mean it's just such a beautiful beautiful place to be <laughs> yeah yes and if you if you guys look back in March and April of 2020, what was the first thing that we all saw? We were all sitting here scared to death about our lives, and we looked at Italy. Mm -hmm. And on the TV, we saw people singing in their balcony. Music is, you know, all the overused expression. Universal language, when you don't have words, you use music. It, it's also true, but I think what has happened, because what has occurred over the last two years has opened up a portal in so many people where they were afraid to express. And now because they're in such despair or pain, um, music is this, I don't know, uh, it's not invasive, it's safe. And it's also people can choose music that relates and connects to them. And that's one of the, the greatest jobs of being a music therapist is to find what music really can help out an individual. Yeah, even down to like what you said about singing in the balconies that, of course, then came to New York and different places. Yeah. But even banging of pots and pans, something as rudimentary <laughs> mm. as that, which is like the first thing you do when you're a little kid exploring music, you know? Oh, yeah, Stephen, that's that's a... right. It's very I, I don't but it's very basic like our basic needs our basic our basic expression to let people know we're alive mm -hmm. favorite um things I, I i don't know where i even heard this reddit but somebody was explaining the true reason why when the sun rises in the morning that birds sing is what telling everybody else around is I'm here. I'm mm. here. Cause if you really think about it, as soon as that sun rises, I have one bird outside my window in my bedroom that I swear to God has like a smoker's cough. It's like a, <laughs> she, she doesn't sound like a regular bird. I don't know what happened to her chirp, like a smoker's chirp, but maybe like, she had COVID. She <laughs> did. Maybe she's a bird COVID survivor. But every morning, like 6.43, or as the time changes, it's like 6.44. But these birds wake up in the morning, and that first song they have is just saying, 
I'm still here. I, I lived. I'm alive. I'm here. Mm-hmm. That's, that's amazing. Uh, I never really kind of looked at that that way. That's I'm going to l- listen well, to the birds a lot differently. In the morning. Yeah. Well, After I, I have to hear that. I did, too. I'm going to misquote this because I usually view articles and things emotionally and not uh, in a linear sense. But mm. I have seen something that basically there was an equation of people that watched and studied and were kind of aware of birds. Mm. They were happier people because of the simple, small detail to the birds. Wow. Almost like, uh, almost, almost the same probably as someone who, you know, like tends uh, a garden, almost like a Buddhist sort of mm-hmm. way of a Zen, knowing that you're just focused on this little, you know, song of this bird or the color of the bird and knowing the birds is like, is something to, that separates people and makes them happier. Oh, I, I totally believe that, Matt. And I think it's ridiculous or not that I heard a lot of people especially during the lockdown where saying were the birds louder that birds fact is it's because we got rid of sound got rid of all of the other sounds so we heard the birds louder and and i think this is no different than what the three of us believe in when it comes to music and musicals and expressing ourselves through music that that is really you know that's why we that yeah we get up there to do the same exact thing birds do like here yeah. we we have a story to tell we're alive yeah yeah it's it there was a that wonderful period in the first part of covid where everyone was like is it just me or the animals like crazy outside like well yeah right. they have the world back we were and it's theirs and it, it was always theirs. Yeah. When when our first dog died, um, we me, me and Stephen knew that we had to get a bird feeder uh, to put oh. in the backyard so we could just see life again. And take care of something. Yeah. Wow. We just had to see life again. Well, um, you two being that- the dog daddies you are. I mean, I can remember the time, the day that that happened. And Stephen, you put something online. I mean, it was just, it was one, you are not just pet owners, <laughs> you actually were fathers, and, yeah. and two, for animals, and they, they are so honest and non-judgmental, and they're not here that silence is killing. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tom, um, I know, I think, I think I know a lot of your story, but yeah. I know that there's, oh, of course people, you do. Uh, there's <laughs> a lot of people that maybe don't, I want to take us back. You take us back to a very small Tom. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, if, if, if anyone, anyone hears me call Tom, Tom, Thomas, Tommy, uh, friend, boyfriend, whatever, <laughs> we all go way back years of Shenandoah. Did, Matt, did we date? No, we only emotionally dated. It was nothing physical. <laughs> that, that was the best, safest kind. Yeah, it was a very safe, Especially, emotional sort of affair. Yeah, of our, our Shenandoah, which we both very much love still to this day. Yeah. 
Um, but take us back to where you grew up and how you found out the, when, when you were revealed to yourself, it was revealed mm -hmm. to yourself that you were an artist. So, Matt, it's, uh, Matt uh, I'm so happy and so honored that you helped me on its feet. Uh, and show I have called meatballs and music. And that, that's really the case. You know, that's really the story is growing up Altoona, Pennsylvania, which was this blue collar railroad town in the 1970s. I grew up with my mom very ill and I grew up with my father who was schizophrenic and extremely abusive. And, um, you know, one day at eight years old, I, and I would love Matt, if we can ever get this show back up on its feet, people can see the whole To make a long story short, when I was, I knew I had to get out of my house. And I lived right across from this church. And this church had this big steeple. And um, as a little boy, I thought that steeple was like a radio tower. And I used to think to myself that, if I prayed really hard, I lived right across the street from the radio tower. So I probably had an amazing reception to God. <laughs> because one day I was, uh, my parents were fighting. I was still in my pajamas and I just decided to cross the street. And I was met there, which uh, Matt knows really well, with uh, my favorite character I play in my one man show, Erdine. Erdine was the Sunday school teacher. And she was the person that took me up to her Sunday school room and she had a piano. Every Sunday I could for the next eight to 10 years. And she taught me how to sing and taught me how to play the piano. And um, really, she saved my life. And um, that's where it all begins. And then, you know, lots of whatever in high school and our college years. And, and I just knew that, that I was supposed to do with music. And that's how I became therapist I think that music therapy are just you know musicians that make people feel good before certified trained therapists many of us with masters and doctorates that you know we use music to help heal um and not just and i love any musician that goes into a nursing home any musician that makes somebody feel good that's fantastic but um, I ended up, because of my childhood, knowing that I needed to do more and something bigger with my music. And that's how I became a music therapist. And I was so lucky to help me get my story on stage because you were so sensitive, Matt. My dad, with, um, there was a lot of abuse in my house. And I don't, you know, <laughs> what did we have? We had like 11 rehearsals. But like, you know, I wish we had 50. Every time I did that show, I have never felt such important theater in my own life. I, I mean, I, yes, of course, I loved playing Horton the Elephant and Susie Cole. Like, that's all fun. I, I don't know if there's anything more powerful than us sharing our own story just like going back to the birds singing their own song. Every time I was done performing my own show about my own life, 
And by the way, it took 20 some years of therapy to get there. I don't think everybody who goes through child abuse and through pain, you know, you can't just get up on stage and just put it on stage. You have to be in a certain place in your life where you're ready to tell you. And the reason you're telling your story is to help another human being in this world tell theirs. Well, I think that that's what was so powerful about your story, um, Tom, was it it really became a sanctuary for other people to explore their own story and to see themselves at times in in your pain or mm. in your uh, rescue um, and, 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 you know, different pl- things in the, in the story that becomes so relatable because, I mean, let's face it, uh, watching the human existence and feeling like you are another human going through uh, your own existence is like what theater is meant to be. Yes. Um, you know, and, and you, yeah, I, I would love to talk about what, 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 where that is, but I'm sure you have a million things, you know, usually we print out something and put it here on the coffee table that says, we Googled this person and printed out their information. And I told Steven like a couple of days ago, I was like, Hey, just don't even print out anything about Tom. We've got so much crap to talk about. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm really blessed and lucky to have an amazing life. I, you know, that was fun for me. A place to be is great. I love working with music in the brain and working with research. When uh, I, uh, I'm just, these last two years have been hard for all of us. And I'm just trying to buy like everybody trying to find the beautiful things every moment that I live. Yeah, I don't think me and Steven are completely, well, I know we're not, we're not even beginning to feel anything that feels like we have it together. Um, (laughs) We still feel, you know, we still feel very isolated. We still feel very like, is this really happening sort of thing? Yep. Um, You know, I haven't hugged another human being. I mean, I've hugged like a handful of people in two years. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, remember hugs. Uh, uh, Tom, did you did you have other co- colleges uh, on the on the list of possibilities, or was it always about SU? Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's funny, Matt. Um, I had two other. I got accepted into Penn State theater, and I actually got accepted to the second rounds of Carnegie Mellon, and oh, wow. um, but I ran out of the the. Uh, I ran out of the audition. So when I got to the second round, my parents drove me to Pittsburgh. I did not feel right. I don't know what it was. And of course, Carnegie Mellon is Carnegie Mellon. Who who knows if I would have got in or not. But something wrong. Something with my confidence. I don't know what it was. And I ran out. And my mom and run out and said I want to go home so you know I I, then at that point but to be really honest with the both of you in my um, which I love my hometown but going to college was I was the first in my immediate family so even going to college was a bit like out of like unbelievable so 
I went to Shenandoah, and and you know, you both know her. Our, our names on here, but um, best friends from college. I guess she, she wouldn't care, Arlene. And we met on the day that we visited the college. Like I, I love this person, and it was Arlene. And I know you guys know who she is. And I think she was part of the reason I said, "Hey, mom, I want to go here." Yeah, we we always talk on our show about people who have magic, and you know, I think you and Arlene definitely are in that magic bag. Oh, that's nice. Oh uh, yeah, especially her belt, right? Her belt above a high, a high C. Oh gosh, I you know pe- people like that just want to make you quit the business. Oh my God, the the ending of her at the ballet. This is where I'm stuck. Yeah, and I and I was like, that is my what. That is my best friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, Tom, so when you uh, went to Shenandoah, you, were, you, were, you already had probably a musical therapist seed somewhere in you because everything that you've always cultivated has had an umbrella of uh, yeah. healing in it. Yeah. I mean, I... Yes. And by my sophomore or junior year, I don't know if you remember this or not, Matt, but I was, they had a community program, which is now huge at Shenandoah. Um, the people that started the theater version of it. And it was wow. like teaching children after we had our classes and I, Tuesday, Thursday, four o'clock to six o'clock. And before I knew it, I had like 40 students at age 20, like meeting me there. And I was like, I kind of like this. But you know what was interesting? I knew I didn't want to be a theater teacher so much. that, But there was something beyond that. I felt it just took years to realize it was music therapy. Right. Yeah. Almost like. Go ahead. Almost like having all these tools and then slowly putting them into a different alignment that wasn't solely about being in Shrek. <laughs> oh God. But you can, but you can be in Shrek. Oh, I should not have been in Shrek, but yes, I <laughs> yes. The worst role I ever played, but we won't get in. We won't get into that. Cause you know, I very there, there and I, yeah, that, that's that's a funny well, thing you guys probably don't know is the day I was, I'm almost 50, the day I was 32, 31, the day that I realized I was going to be a music therapist, because remember, I got my music th- theater degree, and then I taught music, and I taught voice lessons, and theater, and directed. I was 32 years old. And here's what was happening. I was at Shenandoah University. I was playing Horton the Elephant for the second time in Susical. And earlier that day, I had a voice lesson. And I don't think I ever shared this with you guys. This is the day that I knew I was a music therapist. And so earlier that day, I had a young man come in. He was about 13 years old. He brought his guitar in. And he said... Um, Mr. Schweitzer, would you mind writing this song? I wrote a poem. My dad took his life about two weeks ago. 
and I'd like to write this song. <clears throat> so I wrote this song called Falling from the Sky that this young man wrote the poem and I helped him write the song. And I was floored by how I felt working with him. And then that night I played in the elephant. You, I mean, all theater people know every moment I'm talking about. I'm sitting on an egg singing <laughs> that song, Salasalu, and I start crying. And I realize, you know, I'm an elephant. And even when you play roles like that, you get as like serious, you get as authentic as you can. But I realize as I'm crying with this egg, I'm crying because the young man I worked with earlier. And that was the night I knew I was a music therapist. Right. And I, I knew from that point. And, and actually, I called President Tracy Fitzsimmons the next day. And I said, I might need some help. <laughs> I want to go back to school. And she said, you just tell me what you want to do and we'll see what we can help you with. That's how cool our school is. That's how cool SU is. Um, you know, Tom, it's so funny, Tom, you saying that you ran out of the audition at Carnegie Mellon. Yes. And then having this moment on this egg, you know, I, I keep feeling, I keep feeling in my gut, like how many times all of us do really, really big things happen to us. And at the moment, you may not completely understand, mm. but the feeling is so vivid. And the answer is a big, you, you, on that egg, you had a really big yes. And in that audition, you had a really big no. Yes. And, and they were both correct. Wow. Yeah, that's right, Matt. And I think that's trusting yourself, you know? And when I, when I went home that night after Susical, it wasn't like I don't enjoy acting. And that, what a fun, cute role. But what I think I did with that young man in his music session earlier, where we sang a song about his dad, floored me and took me to a whole new level of what I think is available in the world of music and healing. That I, yes, you're right. In that moment, you notice it and you have to accept it. Yeah. Just like I, somehow I knew at Carnegie Mellon, I was not supposed to be there. Well, and sometimes when we're painting a picture, you know, if we are doing just one department and who's the, who's the, who's the guy that did blue? Was it Picasso when mm -hmm. he was in the, the, uh -huh. the blue stage? Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, some, sometimes we're in those stages, but I feel like when you have a full realization on an egg. <laughs> in an elephant outfit. In an elephant outfit, all of a sudden you see a complete spectrum on your palate. Oh, you do. And I, and this, this is nothing, you guys, this is nothing against summer theater or susical or a musical, but I also remember feeling, what am I doing? You well, know, like I'm in an elephant outfit and I kind of, and you guys know that stage very well. Yes. And I look, and I looked out as I'm singing this song and I'm thinking I'm crying over this kid and what am I doing? I'm yeah. hatching an egg. So, and, and once again, I do it again. I love that. That's a fun role. Yeah. But, but I, I guess, you know, look at the world in the last two years. Yeah. There's so much bigger. Our theater, we've always known 
just like watching what the two of you have done, you go into places, you go into places that Creative Cauldron and all the other places that you have created into a deeper and knowing the two of you, sometimes darker place where humanity lives. And I think that's probably what I felt too, that there's something else to do with humanity that I'm supposed to help with. Now look at us. Yeah. This is where we are. If we don't make transformative theater, what are we doing? And I even think that matters. Somebody said this the other night on a TV show. And, you know, I know that three of us have friends right now that are in Music Man, <clears throat> Music Man on Broadway with you, Jackman, that they're getting such good feedback there because joy is so needed. I mean, this is why theater was, well, theater was invented to tell the story, but, you know, even people that are going to see that show right now with our friends who are in it, it's, it's to bring joy. It's to bring us light again. And I think we need theater and we need music more than we ever have. It's, this is one way. There's not a lot left right now that can set us free. As we all, like, whatever today's date is, and I know that you'll probably put the, this out later, but we're talking, the three of us together on the day that, you know, the the war in Ukraine has began, you know, we just, we're just the storytellers and we're the dreamers that try to bring, bring some light to the world. Hope. Hope. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all, we all know how that feels when, you know, uh, it becomes almost like a, uh, a hospital for sinners, a hospital mm. for cleansing, a hospital for, you know, it becomes this hospital feeling where you really are taking care of the wounded. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yes. And people always think that, huh. that everyone who's walking around <clears throat> might look like they're put together, <clears throat> but even if they are put together, it could, it could be with duct tape and, and gorilla glue with, <laughs> you know, with a bunch of fragmented pieces of mirror that is holding that person together. Oh, totally. And th those are the people in our audiences. Those are the people that we walk by every day. And I well, think that, you know, we, we are the broken ones who, if we're, I love that, uh, Matt, gorilla glue and duct tape, uh, duct tape. I mean, that's us. And that's yeah. why we go on stage. I, I think that um, we, we did a show a few years ago called Kaleidoscope that was about a former Broadway star suffering from uh, Alzheimer's mm -hmm. and trying to tell the story of her life almost in a musical therapy way. Because um, yep. mu music is one of the last things that leaves us. Absolutely. Um, because it's so deeply. Wait, or ingrained. does it leave us? It doesn't, I guess. Yeah. I don't um, think it does. Yeah. I think the vibration get, gets changed into something else. Yep. But, but uh, you know, when, when you talk about uh, us writing darker shows, we, we always kind of say we, we examine darker nature while looking for the light. Um, because we're fascinated with darker things because of searching for a way out of it. Um, to go to like the full dark, no stars kind of place and then look for a path um, is kind of always our way in. But 
the Kaleidoscope show, I think, is one of our darkest shows because it's so real. Um, but but it, we had talkbacks and we had uh, therapists there and uh, medical professionals after almost every show. And that showed me the power the, of what we were really yielding, uh, you know, whether through music or theater or whatever, the way that that piece like changed people and, and people with the disease who it gave them some sort of comfort to see what was ahead for them. Um, it, it was, I, I've never been struck more by the power of musical therapy than in that instance. So everything that you do at a place to be, um, whether from young people to old people, like you were, you're, you're kidding every mark in between and having a real impact on your community. And that's, that's a incredible thing. Wow. Thanks, Stephen. And so I don't know, I don't know if you guys remember this, but you allowed me to watch. I could not come to see it live, but you gave me the link. I think of of um, Kaleidoscope. Mm -hmm. I think the life of that show is about to come. I think that the two of you see things so far like if you that a powerful power, which we have only just begun to see the power of music and Alzheimer's and dementia. And I can tell you this because I, I see Parkinson's, I see Alzheimer's, I see stroke. And Matt, I remember you and I talking about this. That, that piece that you both wrote has only just begun. And I know it was pretty powerful the way it was but I think the world is waking up to the power of music and our brain. And, yeah. and I think create music therapy on that stage through that character. Yeah. Love to see that. <clears throat> I mean, there are huge conferences, huge, uh, you know, get together people with Parkinson's and dementia one of my favorite moments I've ever had was with um, a woman who, who had Alzheimer's and dementia <clears throat> and uh, worked with her, her and who were in their mid forties and fifties. She was in her nineties said, we heard our mother speak for three or five years. Get what it was. And, but here's a Frank Sinatra. That woman knew every word. Fly mm -hmm. and led me, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. The one daughter. Is there anything I could ever do to get her to say her grandchildren's names? So this woman, this is the power of melody. This woman had in her head, but um bum bum da but um bum 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 right? Yeah. Five grandchildren. I'm making this, I don't remember their names, but two or three months I talked to her. Charles Grant and Jessica and Matt. Yeah. And I kind of used the melody that she had 
and just put the name in there. And I can remember my last day working with her. This was in Winchester. They invited the grandchildren in to hear this song. And all the while, you guys. Oh, my God. I know. Oh, Matt, I'm about to tell All the while, she's holding a baby doll. She has a baby doll in her arms. And this is where I think the two of you have gotten something so right with Kaleidoscope that I think that thing is going to have a life of its own, you know, now. And I think you warmed it up because there are more people right now suffering with a brain, a TBI, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia. And I also remember watching this online when you gave me permission to, and also hearing, Matt, you might have just given me the um, soundtrack. Yeah. You are, Stephen, what you said is so true. You're full of light. This wasn't a musical about like, oh, look how sad it is for this woman. No, this was, I, I really respect that because I was, at that time, I was beginning to learn more about the brain and music. And, um, you know, I think we're in the best time of all right now to take all of our talents and our skills and to see what we can do to create more art to heal. Yeah. And you, and you, well, you have such a, you have such a beautiful way to tap into someone's soul for the purpose of transformation. Hmm. Because what you do uh, in everybody that you've ever met is you transform them into yeah. uh, maybe a, a better version of themselves or whatever hmm. they're going through. But because um, you're unlocking, you're all you're doing is unlocking these locked things. A- absolutely. And Matt, I think you and I started to see when I went to York, Pennsylvania, when I took the show up there, the show that you directed, my one man show. Um, you know, it started to happen everywhere. And I know you started to see this. People wanted to talk yeah. like we were done. And so here's something interesting. Uh, some people and I know I've talked to you about this a little bit, have asked me, what do I re- what is my t- intention? Like, what is the main intention of me doing this show? Do you know what? It's not about Broadway. It's not about just doing the show. What I would love is to do the show. And then I would love to offer to the people that saw the show the next day to go through a music therapy workshop. Right. So when you notice, like I know you and I heard and we saw, hey, my dad was abusive. My dad tried to take his life by suicide my mom died or my parent died the next day. That's the, that I can't even imagine anything more unbelievable for theater than to watch theater and then to go get help. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's really, I love when really good art, really powerful art. Mm -hmm. So you unable to get up when the, bowels are done that's what's so frustrating about Mm. that's what's so frustrating about our business is you know for so many years it has kind of always looked like oh good for you you're you're you're, you play the guitar or or it's almost like a hobby rather than being what it is when you're in the arts you become sort of a minister oh 
Minister, yes. I mean, you're a minister of the arts. If there was a, a position in the government, that's what you'd be, the minister or the, or the ambassador of the arts, you know? I think there might be one in Harry Potter's world. Well, I'm going to nominate you for when that, <laughs> well, when that department opens up here in Arlington. Well, thank you. I think, <laughs> I think that actually might be uh, Professor Snipe. But, <laughs> I, but Matt, you're right on. I, I, think, but I think that that's what's happening. I think that we're about to see that all of us, all of us men, women, and humans, humans grew up and we did not know exactly how to express ourselves. Many of us ended up walking across the street to the church and finding, finding peace and finding a way to live. Many of us ended up in what we called band or drama class or drama club. Right. And we were all looking for a way just to be who we were. And, uh, you know, I'm something that I want to say, and I don't know if I'm really allowed to, I don't know if you want me to say this on this podcasting again, take it out if you don't want it. You know, I'm a person who my entire life fought um, my sexuality and watching the two of you fall in love. And I was there, you know, in the beginning when you guys were like, actually, sorry, young and flirting. <laughs> <laughs> and I was very jealous. Um, I was, I was like, wow, look at that. And now I can say this and Steven, you and I have written back and forth a little bit, you know, cause I am in love. I'm getting married this June to the man I love, but my God, it took 47 years. I'm 50. took 47 years to finally, finally get there. And I think the shame, I'm a, I'm a big Brene Brown fan. I think shame has done so much to our society and to our world. And music is one way that we can express ourselves and for me, it was the only way for so many years. And, um, you know, now finally feeling like I'm a full human being, which not one human should ever feel that they are not. And once again, we are here on the, the night that we know, you know, across the world, there are people hovering in a, in a home or going to a grocery store and there's no food and they're afraid of their country being attacked or being killed. None of us should feel shame. And I, I think, I love that the two of you have been powerful, powerful um, leaders in the world of theater and music, especially in our DC area and beyond. And I'm just, I'm very honored to, you know, know you too. And that's, you know, I know I took a risk saying that tonight about my, um, my journey getting here, but, but you two really have been for me a beacon of it's going to be okay. And look, these two men that I watched when you, when we were all yeah, like, you know, I don't know, beyond teenagers, they loved each other and look at them now. They've been husbands for this long and, and, and you helped me get to the place where I accepted who I am.
This is not something I expected to say tonight. Wow, I'm I'm so honored to even hear that. <laughs> um, first of all, congratulations. Uh, thank you. Um, when in June? June 11th, and you guys will be getting your invite. <laughs> so, what was what was our date? Was it June 10th? Yeah, our our wedding is June 10th. Oh, That's... is it on on the boat? Uh, well, the boat was May, May 31st. 31st. The and signature was June 10th. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because it wasn't legal in Virginia yet, so we had to do the boat Oh, one. I forgot about that. Yeah, this is why gays should not get married, because they make a really big deal out of it. <laughs> like, we actually care about the decor. Oh, right, yeah. right, yeah. right. <laughs> well, congratulations on... Thank uh, you. ...finding love at any age. Who cares how long it took? <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, Tommy, that, that was beautiful. Um, I, I know we've only got a few minutes left cause we like to kind of keep our podcast to about an hour, right, Stephen? Yeah. Yep. Um, so I know this might be a tricky question to ask right now outside of just, you know, the pandemic and everything, but I know that I've been to a, a place to be, I see what is there. Uh, I've been there. So yep. can you, can you just tell me a little bit if anyone's listening about the actual programming that happens, if they're interested in like being, you know, coming there or what kind of classes do you actually have? Sure. Sure. So at a place to be, we're open to anybody who can get to us. We're in Loudoun County and we work with any child, any adult that has a disability and that music and music therapy might be a help to their healing or their, re their uh, rehabilitation. Um, we have shows in the summer. We have a big Broadway show every summer. We have recitals. Um, if you have someone in your, in your life, if you have someone in your life that loves music and that could use rehabilitation or healing, I would come out to us at a place to be for an assessment your assessment is free. It's it's just we 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 kind of spend time with you or your loved one, and we kind of figure out how we might be able to help. And so you can go to um, a place to be VA like Virginia dot org. So that's a place to be VA dot org, or you can call or you can call five four zero six eight seven six four seven zero if you would like to learn more. Um, and yeah, we're, we're, we're open. Uh, we are now, we have a little bit of a waiting list, but we're getting more music therapists. So if you, especially for adults or parents that have children who have some kind of develop, developmental disability, we, we use music for a way for your child to reach goals and objectives that perhaps is in their IEP or perhaps is just in your family's best interest and um, love for your child. So that's a place to be va.org. It is. Yep. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, Tom, just before we go, is there anything you want to plug? I know that you've always got a million things going on. I think mm. I just saw recently that maybe there was a book, a new book. Oh, so yeah, Matt, thank you. Um, I am not published yet, but I would like everybody to look out for the book called The Miracle Boy of Baxton, Missouri. 
which is a love story about a young lady who has cerebral palsy and a young man, and they fall in love. It's uh, year 2017, and um, it's a love story with the background of another young man who has autism, who one day finds a bird who looks very hurt. He picks up the bird. He holds the bird. He hugs the bird. Somebody films this on their iPhone and they watch the bird fly away. And this young man is looked upon as a miracle worker. So this small town becomes a place of miracles. So the book is really about what is our belief in miracles and what is our belief in love? And that every single human being, no matter what your challenge is, you deserve love in some way. So that's, that's huge. And yeah, I would, I would ask everybody to take a look at a place to be and learn more about music therapy. And um, I really am, I was so excited to talk to you all tonight. This is very fun. And I'm sorry my voice sounded like this. <laughs> no, you sound great. You know, it's so funny. I had a, a neighbor who I, I'm trying to, uh, I teach her kids. I was teaching her kids some music. Uh, and they're going to come back here soon. And she said, oh, the kids will be back back to the summer. And someone said something like, what are you doing? And they said, oh, he's a piano teacher. And I yelled back, I'm actually just a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Yeah, because I feel like that's what we, uh, I mean, you know, kind of look at the arts um, for that healing and that understanding and that connection between other people. And uh, Tom, I'm just, I can't tell you how much you inspire me. Uh, and, you know. and when you're not with me, that I'm always thinking. I mean, you pop up in my little Google search brain so much. <laughs> um, but thanks was, for I, I feel the same way about the two of you. And I think also this podcast shows the community that you all have built. Oh, um, that's sweet. Well, look at the people. I mean, I've been in your house. I've been to your wine nights. <laughs> there. <laughs> There are people that, you know, there are people that destroy and there are people in our field of music and theater and that really kind of stay distant. And the two of you actually wrap your arms around everybody. Yeah. And I think that that's what makes, that's why we all got into theater. Yeah. Yeah, when the when the field burns down, it's time to replant that field and stop thinking about the fire. Mm. That's beautiful. You know, because uh, that's what that's what life is. If you're if we if we only focus on the fires, we're not gonna we're not gonna watch anything. You know, re regrow. Um, and so we thank you for being part of our field. Thanks so much, Tom, for talking to us. Yes, Tom, we love you. We're so happy for everything that's happened in your life. Absolutely. And um, we can't wait to see you again. I can't believe we live kind of so close, but yet so far away. But, you know, in the future, hopefully we'll see you soon. And if you want to know more about us, please visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an E-R. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok on Connor and Smith, again with an E-R. Please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. Really helps us out a lot. 
share it where you share things post it where you post things um we love when you visit our discord the link is in the description um please also visit our 90s late 90s uh playlist on spotify and you know gosh it's been a busy couple of weeks uh but we're getting through it and we have another guest coming tomorrow um we're happy you all are listening thank you so much uh we'll talk to you soon bye bye